All right, good morning. You feeling pumped up? Let's go watch a movie. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, as you heard, we're in the middle of, of this unique series called Relationships in the Box Office. And uh, there, there was just a kind of a, uh, a montage of different movies that, that we're highlighting, uh, some values that are in there that we're going to look at. And uh, our goal in this series is to compare and contrast what we're seeing on the big screen and the way people relate to each other and how it goes in real life. Because, you know, sometimes it works out pretty similar, and sometimes the way it goes in the movie is not what I experienced in my life. And so, to do this, we need more than just simple comparison. We're going to need some instruction. We need some outside perspective to look at um, what, what, is, what are the differences. What are we seeing in these movies, and what are we experiencing? And so, we're going to look at the Bible to discover what God says. He gives us the help that we need to, to know how people should relate to one another without all the special effects, without all the, you know, the edits and the, and the takes and, and whatnot. And so last week we looked at uh, the destruction of pride that was seen in the, the movie X-Men that just came out. And uh, this week, uh, well, the reason this movie is, is focused in this way is because many times we get our clues from how to relate from the movies. Maybe, maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, you know, we're seeing how people talk to each other, we see how relationships play out, and how do the romantic relationships end up, and how do you get there, and, and we see all these things, and sometimes it just infiltrates our mind, and, and we may not even be aware of it. And so we want to draw attention to those things. And uh, for this series, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have a, a number of our different staff members uh, highlighting a different movie week to week, which is a great opportunity for you to get a chance to hear from some of the other men in our congregation. It also gives great opportunity for our senior pastor to um, take a break from speaking and get ahead on some uh, plans for the fall and some other message series that he's working on now. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about another one of those real issues that can have a negative impact on our relationships. And that is the tendency to want to hide from other people. The tendency to want to be a little secretive or maybe to let things kind of hide under the surface. And the movie related to this that came out last Thursday is Now You See Me Too. And this is a sequel to the movie Now You See Me. It came out a few years ago. And both of these movies, they follow the lives of some illusionists, these magicians called the Four Horsemen. And they, they do magic to make a living. And they also have like these Robin Hood style theatrics where they kind of secretly rob from the, all the wealthy, mean people and they give money to the audience and money comes falling out and, and everyone gets excited about them. But these characters, what they're doing is they professionally keep people in the dark and they also personally, in their relationships, they keep people in the dark about who they are and they do this out of self-preservation. And you may, you may have seen the original movie, you may have seen this one. Throughout this series, you don't have to go to the movies to uh, be able to glean from this. We're going to be kind of describing the parallels throughout. And uh, one of the key lines from this particular movie that's interesting is that uh, one of the characters says, in a world of total surveillance, the only true freedom lies in not being seen. He says, the only true freedom lies in not being seen. And perhaps in a world of relating to illusionists, that may be true. Uh, That may be a good way to go. But sometimes we fall into this kind of thinking as well, that maybe not being seen or not really being known by people is a way to be free. And I know I've hidden quite a few things in my life that I didn't want people to see. I, thinking back to childhood, I sure broke a lot of things that I didn't want my parents to know about. Did a lot of dumb things, poor choices that I never wanted my parents to find out about. I didn't want my friends to know that I did. And so I learned to hide and deceive at a pretty early age. And this, this is, comes kind of naturally. If you have any kids, you may have noticed this. That, that desire to maybe hide things or lie, it comes pretty quick. Did you hit your brother? No? 
I'm going to ask you one more time. Yeah, know what the right answer is. Did you hit your brother? And, you know, there's this battle that we have right from a very early age to, to lie and sneak around the truth. And so even in college, I dealt with this. I was too cheap to buy all my own books for my classes. And uh, I lived on a floor where some of my floor mates would buy all the, all the books for all the classes. And I thought, we didn't lock our doors all the time. So I thought, you know, if I could just go into his room, I could grab the book that I needed and, uh, you know, read it and get the book. And if I arranged the other books so he didn't know, and I would just be able to get that done and then sneak it back in another time. And uh, it was like my own little magic trick that only I knew about. <laughs> and uh, I realize now, of course, you know, it would just be far easier, far better just to be up front. Hey, I need some help. Can I borrow your book? And if he says no, I'll just go buy the book, I guess. But, you know, there's this pull that we have, this, this tendency to want to hide or sneak. And, and fast forward to today. There's still things that I'm tempted to hide. You know, if I make a bad decision, if I really blow it, I don't want anybody to know about it. Or, or if, I, if I say something, I make a bold statement about this is the way it is, and then it turns out not to be true, I'll just try to like <laughs> go into the corner and people will notice that I, that I made that statement. Or, or even if I'm feeling down, if I'm, if I'm struggling with something, uh, dealing with some sort of stress or, or, or something like that, it's hard to admit. It's hard just to, to open up about that and to let some other guys know that I need some encouragement or some prayer. And so on, on multiple levels, it can be a struggle for us to stay open. It can be a struggle to stay honest. And all of this can lead to further pulling away from people and just kind of letting things hide beneath the surface. And so you may have experienced this in your own life. You may find that this is true by yourself as well. In fact, I think the tendency to want to hide is common to all of us at different points and, and something that we all deal with. And if you're like me, you may even have some of these moments where, you know, you may be in a setting where you're talking with somebody they're asking you questions or in your small group or into some sort of discussion and your brain is telling you not to reveal too much. You may be sharing and then your brain is like, don't be too honest. It's like an alarm goes off in your head. Back away, back away. That's too much information. They don't need to know that. Just keep that under the surface and then step away. And if you do this, if you do any of these uh, strategies of hiding or keeping things beneath the surface, it's, it's normal. It, it's common to us. But despite how normative it is, it can lead to a lot of problems in our life. It can lead to a lot of problems in our relationships. In the movies, you know, there's a lot of movies about magicians and illusionists and, and heists and, and secretly stealing all the money. And, and professionally, it works out pretty good. This whole deception thing leads to a lot of fame and fortune in the movies. But a lot of times, even in the movies, they, they depict how in relationships, this deception doesn't go well. It leads to pain and destruction. And, and even the Bible puts this pulling away from others in an interesting category. Look at Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. And really, that, that isolating, that's kind of what's happening. If you let things hide beneath the surface or if you're kind of not being open and honest, it's really what you're doing is you're isolating yourself. And, uh, and we see that, you know, that's kind of seeking your own desire. We have this desire to do this for different reasons. And, uh, and then the person that does this breaks out against all sound judgment. That means it's not a good idea. <laughs> it's not going to end well to isolate ourselves it's, it's not going to work out well. In fact, you probably even know this. Yeah, if I isolate myself, if I keep people blocked out, then that's not good. I know that, right? We know that. And, but why do we do it? Why does it still happen? Why do we even sometimes intentionally deceive people? Or why do we even sometimes intentionally mislead people? And, and there's a, there may be a few reasons. There's some reasons that we may hide from people. One of the reasons could be pride. Uh, you know, we talked about this last week. I, I want people to see me in a certain way. I have this image that I'm projecting and I want people to, to view me in a certain light. If, I'm, if I get too open and honest, they're going to realize that's going to crumble pretty quick. Or, or another reason that we may hide is shame. We don't want others to know what, we're really, what we've done, what we're really thinking. You know, if people really knew me, then, then they would lose respect or, or I'd lose trust. My relationship would fall apart. 
I, I, I can't, I can't just open up about that thing. And another reason that we may hide is pain. Maybe at one point you were open. Maybe at one point you were honest with somebody and you got burnt. And they, they didn't handle that well. Or they treated you wrongly. Or they used that information against you. And so now, I struggle with this desire to want to put up a wall because I got burned already when I was open and honest. And, and so that's one reason we may hide. Another reason may be advancement. Maybe I want to get ahead. Maybe I'm working on a project or I'm talking with some people and I kind of want things to work out in my favor. I have some opinions about what we should be doing right now. And uh, I want it to turn out to benefit me. And so, But I don't want people to know about my selfish goals. The way I'm trying to kind of work this situation in my favor. And so we'll, we'll hide some information there. Or maybe another reason we hide is just the fear of consequences. And depending on how bad things are, there may be some severe consequences. If people really found out what I did, I'd get fired. Or, or if people really knew what, what happened, then I'd get divorced or I'd go to jail or pay a lot of money. There, there may be these huge consequences that lead us to want to hide information. Those are some of the reasons that we hide. And, and so we, we may go about it in different ways. There's, there's some methods that we may be using to, to pull this off. For a magician, deception is the key to success, Right? So they got to have this down pretty good. In fact, if you're not good at deceiving people, you're not going to make it very far as a magician. And so they, they have to master at least maybe three fundamental skills to perfect their craft and to get the fame and the fortune as an illusionist. One, one way that they deceive is sleight of hand. I have some pictures from the movie here. Uh, sleight of hand, you may have heard that phrase before. It, it really refers to cunning skills of dexterity of hand in order to deceive. Um, it, it could also mean like quick fingers or trickster fingers. Really, the key with sleight of hand is speed and control. And that way you can really throw people off. Uh, another strategy illusionists will use is misdirection. So you don't want people to catch on to your trick, and so you use some sort of distraction. And so, you, you know, you get the attention of the audience focused in one direction in order to keep them from seeing the magic of the trick over here. And, and really, the key, the key with this strategy is you want to control the attention of the audience so that you can surprise them at the end. They don't even see it coming. One, one other strategy that a magician may use is smoke and mirrors. And, and really this strategy, it obscures the audience's vision so they can't really see what's happening. They, they don't see the real thing. They don't see the true thing. Um, and really the magician is controlling the information that the audience is getting. And if you can control the information, you can control what the audience thinks. And so this kind of magic, you know, is often done in the dark. It's hard to see. And so a, a vision is obscured. And so uh, you may even see some parallels here. But, you know... In our lives, we, ha- we have our own strategies. We have our tools of the trade for, for not letting people see how we hide. One of the ways that we hide, well, it could just be up front lying. I mean, you can just directly lie, and then that'll be a quick way to deceive. In fact, you could even develop some cunning skills and dexterity of tongue to, to really hone in your ability to deceive and, and maybe just get people thrown off the right trail. Another way that we hide is, is withholding information. Maybe it's not an outright lie, but... There's a misimpression here, and, I, and I'm not giving the right information to allow the right impression to be made. And, and maybe people just don't know that they're missing some critical information. And at the end, they end up surprised. Uh, another way that we hide is avoidance. I mean, this one is simple. I, if I don't see you, if I don't spend time with you, I don't have to lie. I don't have to withhold information. If I'm not going to church, if I'm not going to small group, if I'm not having conversations that go below the surface level, if I'm not around people then I can just avoid this altogether and I can hide and isolate myself that way. The problem is, all of this secrecy and all of this isolation just sucks the life out of a thriving relationship. It's a relationship killer. 
And if you've ever related to somebody that has gotten into isolating or has gotten into just kind of going under the radar, you might be able to describe it in terms of, you know, that person's going a little dark. I'm, I'm, I can't really get a read on them. They're, they're sort of off the radar. Uh, they're, they're starting to go dark on me. You know, maybe I see them every once in a while, but even when I do, I talk to them and I just can't really get a read on them. I can't really tell what they're thinking. I can't really tell what they're into. And so they've kind of gone dark. And at different times, we may also experience this pull towards going dark. We may experience a pull towards isolating ourselves. We may experience this pull towards leaving out that critical information that, that this is going to end up with leaving somebody surprised. And over time, our relationships will suffer. Our relationships can just end up being shallow. You know, if it's just surface only, and if, if I'm just keeping up the appearance of being problem-free, and I never allow that conversation to go at a deeper level, then my relationships are going to be surface. Our relationships could also become plastic. You know, it, it just fake. Maybe I'm relating to people, but I'm just presenting a plastic version of myself. It's not the real me. You know, there, there's some likes and dislikes that I'm presenting, and you know what? It, it just, it, people are trying to relate, and they think it's me, but it's not. Um, our relationships could also become scattered. You could become a scattered person because maybe, all right, I'll, I'll share a little information with this person over here. And then you come over here and a little later and you share some other information to this person. And you think you're being open and honest, but, but really no one has the full picture of who you really are. And you become divided and you can't make progress because no one knows the real you. And, and maybe worst of all, our relationships could just become non-existent. You know, enough lying enough, deceiving enough, isolation, and relationships will just drop off. They'll, they'll become non-existent. And if we're honest with ourselves, keeping things hidden beneath the surface with other people, it usually starts with keeping things hidden from God first. You know, maybe we're hiding something from God, and, and, and that, in turn, you know, in, impacts the way that we relate to other people who keep things hidden. Or maybe my relationship with God has gotten a little bit dark. I'm not relating with him. And so now it's trickling into my relationships with other people and I'm, I'm going a little bit dark. Very often these things are connected. And the good news is that God has provided a way for us to step out of the darkness of isolation and to step into the light of real relationships. God has done this. He's provided a way for us to step out of that darkness and to step into the light of real relationships. And so we're going to look at a passage that contains this idea of light and darkness. When I was growing up, I went on a camping trip about every month with uh, my dad. We were in the Boy Scouts. And so we, we did a lot of camping. I grew up in upstate New York. And so there's a lot of mountains and meadows and great places to go. And we would even camp in the winter. And so one night, we were driving out trying to find a campsite. And, and usually, since all the dads have to get out of the work for us, we, we're going in the dark. <laughs> and so we're driving around trying to find this campsite. And since it's snowing, there's clouds. There's no stars. There's no cloud. It's really, really dark out finally find the campsite. Now we've got to set up in the dark and in the snow. And so I'm, I'm walking around in the darkness. I have a flashlight, but, you know, it's dark. And I, I think the fire pit's going to be over there. And my tent, I think, is going to put over here. And, and I can kind of make out that there's trees around me. We're clearly in a forest of some kind, but I can't really see all that great. And, uh, you know, eventually get everything set up and we go to bed. The next day I wake up in the tent and, you know, there's ice forming on the inside of the tent from how cold it is. And, and I, I'm excited to go outside. I, I unzipped the tent, and when I stepped outside, I could not believe how beautiful it was. It was, in fact, I remember it clearly even now. I'll never forget the beauty of the forest that I was in. There was perfect untouched snow covering the whole ground, every branch and every tree. 
It was stunning. And I realized that seeing that forest in the light changed everything. I was still in the same forest, I mean, but it didn't look anything like what I was seeing last night. It was a totally different experience. And so I realized that walking around in the light, it changed everything. It was a, it was a new experience. And so this is, this is something that we, we find in life. And walking around in the dark is different than walking around in the light. And so you may have even had this experience to yourself of, of, of what walking around in the light is looking like. And so we're going to look at a passage in 1 John that kind of describes this. And uh, 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him. Him is Jesus, and this is written by John. John spent a lot of time with Jesus, and so he's saying, Hey, this is the message that we heard from Jesus, and we proclaim it to you. That God is light. That's the first thing we notice. First of all, that God is light. God himself isn't only in the light. God is the light. And and that's significant. You know, we learn in school that all material life, all growth depends on the sun, right? You know, the sunlight coming down, that plants need the sunlight to grow. In fact, everything in the natural world that grows and has life and is beautiful in some way is dependent on the sun. Maybe maybe it doesn't exist in the sunlight, but it's dependent on something that does. And so we know this about the sun, the, the power that it has on the earth. In a similar way, all spiritual life, all spiritual growth is dependent on God because He is the light. He's the source of everything. He actually made the sun too and so He has a major part in that. But uh, we're totally dependent on God. We're completely dependent on Him. He's the source to experience any good thing. He is the source of all beauty, the source of all wisdom, all joy. All, all these good things that we find in life are, are because we find them in Him. In fact, this verse says, in Him there's no darkness at all. That's the next part. There, there's not even one speck of darkness. There's not a speck of ignorance. There's no shadow of error. There's no untruthfulness in God. He doesn't deceive. He cannot deceive. He can't sin. There's no darkness in God at all. And this is a comforting thought because it is good to walk in the light of God because what this means that God is light and he's the source of everything good is it means that we can stop hiding from God. This, this verse gives us tremendous confidence that, that God's not out to get us. God's not out just maliciously waiting for us to blow it and he's going to strike us at the right opportunity. You know, we may think that if we just step into the light and we, we come clean to God, that he's going to, I don't know, he's going to smack us or slap us or, or something worse. I don't know. What, what is he going to do? But God, he is the light. And the light is so very good. And sometimes we want to hide from him. We want to hide from God because of our sins. Sometimes we want to hide from God because of our mistakes or our inadequacies or where we blew it up or our failures or our struggles and we don't want to bring those before God. We have that struggle. But jump ahead to verse 9. Look at what it says. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is saying if we come clean, if we step into the light, and we just own up to those things that we want to stay in the darkness. If we just call it what it is and we openly confess it before God, then He is faithful. He's just. He's so good to us. And so this gives us tremendous hope. And what a different experience it is to walk in the light. You know, like I was saying, it's a different experience walking in that forest and in the dark and in the light. What a different experience for us to walk in the light of God. How much more freeing. How enjoyable, how uplifting it is. And what this passage is helping us to see is that walking in the light requires an open and honest life. You know, this passage is helping us to see that walking in the light, it requires an open and honest life. And so added to this thought, look at something interesting in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him 
while we walk in the darkness, then we lie. And we do not practice the truth. And this verse highlights a potential conflict for us. You know, this is potentially where our relationships with others can come into play. You know, I may say that I'm in fellowship with God, like this verse is saying, you know. I I may say that. I, I may let other people think that I'm spiritual. I may let people think, you know, God and I are on good terms. We have an understanding. You know, I may try to give some good advice that alludes to the fact that I, I spent all this time with God and, and I may share stories that kind of hint at how good I am at, at being godly and I just leave out those parts of my story that uh, reveal my true character and reveal my true struggle with sin because I want people to think that I'm respectable, a good Christian man. And, and all the while I'm saying, you know, I, I, it's possible that I may be saying that I have fellowship with God, but at the same time it's possible to be walking in darkness. I could be walking in darkness either in my outward actions, what I'm doing, or even just in my inward thoughts. I'm saying that I fellowship with God, but I could be walking in darkness. And, and maybe some of the struggles that are, that are lurking in the darkness, that are lurking beneath the surface, maybe, maybe my daily time with God has dried up and I'm not spending time with Him anymore. Or, or maybe one of the things lurking beneath the surface is a root of unforgiveness or some bitterness that I have towards a person and I struggle with that and every time I think about it I get frustrated but I'm dealing with that bitterness or, or maybe something lurking beneath the surface is an addiction that gets fed when no one else is around and I know it's wrong but I, I struggle and I just keep falling back into that and I know it's, it's not a good thing uh, maybe something lurking beneath the surface is, is the way that I treat my boss or my coworkers, or, or maybe just the way that I think about them <laughs> what goes on in my, my, my mind when I'm interacting. Or maybe one of the struggles that I have lurking beneath the surface is uh, a concern with being left out, that I'm not in the in-group, and, and I really am wrestling with that and struggling why that is. And so we, we can walk in the darkness, and other people may never know that I am. And, and walking in the light, it requires this open and honest life, but I might not be doing that. You know, what, others, what, what would others learn about me? This would be interesting. What would people learn about me if they just followed me around, let's say, for a month? And, and every day they shouted me. They saw when I got up and how much time I spent, you know, reading the Bible and what I did with my discretionary time and, and the way I worked and the way I talked to people and talked to my wife. And, and what would people learn about me? Would, would others be really, would there be like a big discrepancy about what they thought about me? Would there be a lot of surprises about who I really am? Or would it reasonably match up? You know, what they thought is what they experienced. And, and there's these things that we want to leave hidden in the dark. And if we say that we have fellowship with God, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. And so, if this is going on, what's happening is that we're portraying something on the outside that doesn't match what's really on the inside. What's happening is that there's this dissonance between who we are and the person that people think that we are. And others are, are trying to get to know me. They're trying to spend time with me. They ask me some questions about what's going on. They invite me and my family over for dinner. And we, we hang out and we have all these fun times. But the whole time they could be getting to know this plastic version of me. And, and I may be thinking, you know, no one here really cares about me. Because nobody really knows me. Nobody really knows what I'm dealing with. Nobody knows. Nobody can understand the struggles that I have. But maybe people want to. <laughs> maybe they're trying to. Maybe the reason they're asking questions and spending time is because they, they do want to care for me. But they're restricted to interacting with the person, that plastic person I'm, I'm portraying. Look at the next verse to see a different way. First John 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with one another. That, that one another is referring to fellowship with God and with Jesus. So if we walk in the light, we can have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us 
from all sin. So we have a totally different experience when we choose to walk in the light. And the amazing thing is, we don't need to stay in the darkness any longer. We don't need to. Anytime I've gone through the challenging work of just dragging something into the light, it is so hard. It, it can be humiliating. It can be so hard to, to bring things into the light, but it is so worth it because it's so freeing. And it doesn't even matter how dark it feels in your life. You know, you don't want to keep carrying, carrying that thing. You may think, no, 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 no. This thing is too dark. It's too far below the surface. There's no way I can bring that into the light. And I'm just too far gone. This area, this one area, I'm, I'm good at all these other things. I can be open and honest about that. But this one area, I'm too far gone. But you don't want that to keep plaguing you. You don't want that to keep affecting you. And no matter how much you ignore it, it won't go away. You know by now, you've experienced that. Trying to stack up enough good things to outweigh that, that wrong, dark thing. It's just not working. Because that, that thing lurking beneath the surface, it's not going to magically disappear. It's not going to magically evaporate. And, so, and look at this, the part that I love about this verse. Look, it says that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light does not require that we live a sinless life. We don't have to live a sinless life to walk in the light. What's happening is we walk in the light, we acknowledge whatever the light you know, shares that's wrong, and you can live in openness and responsiveness to, to what the light is, is revealing. And if the Lord lives in you, if you've, if you've established Jesus as, as your Lord, then he may be trying to trigger a real confession. And he's not going to allow you to keep things in the dark. And the best part is, if you do go through that grueling work of bringing it into the light, God will still love you. And you will experience his goodness. And, and, and it's because God is faithful. He's just. He's just because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And, and our, our openness and our responsiveness to the light, and, and which is his truth, it allows us to have fellowship with God. The, the crazy thing is, if it required a sinless life, we wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> we can't walk in the light if we have to be sinless. It's just not going to happen. And so if we respond to the light, we can have fellowship with God. First, first with him. And as our relationship with God is put right, we're able to have right relationships with other people. And so as we read through this passage, it, it drives home this key idea that walking in the light requires an open and honest life. So what area in your life has been covered up in darkness? What area of your life has the light really just had a hard time penetrating? Maybe you've been hiding from God. Maybe you've gotten into some things and you're like, you're feeling on the run from God. You know, at one point maybe you were walking in the light and you felt like you had this connection with Him, but, but you're, no, you're no longer regularly praying or, or spending time with God. Or maybe you've never even committed your life to Jesus Christ in the first place. For some time now, you've been aware of other people that seem to have this connection with God and, and you're not really sure what that entails. But you know that you don't have true fellowship with Him. You don't have a true, right situation with God. But you're interested in stepping out of the darkness and you're interested in stepping into the light. Or maybe it's just that your relationships with other people, you know it feels lacking. You know, you know it's just, man, there's some phoniness, there's some, some shallowness and it might just be me and you know that you just struggle with wanting to be open and honest and, and you just put up that wall sometimes to protect yourself. But you know it's limiting your ability to have genuine, refreshing relationships with other people. Wherever you are, you can step out of the darkness of isolation. And really being in fellowship with God, being in fellowship with other people, having right relationships is a deep need that we all have. And so maybe you're ready to start being open and honest, but you're not exactly sure where to start. So you, you want to do this, but, but how can I begin? Here's a few categories you can think through in being open and honest. Uh, you can share about your background, your burdens, 
in your battles. These are just a few categories. You can begin to be open and honest. So, so background. What experiences have you had? You know, what was it like where you grew up? What people have had the most impact on you, you know, for good or for bad? Because the experiences that you've had in your past impact your life now. They impact your decisions that you're making right now. And so you can open up with people, like, give them a window into your life about why you make decisions. Uh, burdens. This is another category. What's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? What's the biggest challenge at work? Or what's the biggest challenge at home? You know, sometimes we want to just, you know, it's at work, I'm going to leave it at work. It's at home, I'm going to leave it at home. But, but you can open up and you can talk about that. Where do you spend most of your time thinking about? What's weighing you down right now? And then battles. What sin have you been struggling with most recently? What, what temptations do you know you need to stay away from? What's something you've just not been able to conquer and you know you need help? Maybe, maybe you struggle with some fear. Maybe there's some anxiety that you just can't kick. Or, or maybe you're, you're dealing with lust or you're struggling with anger. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with depression or laziness. Or maybe the marriage is on the rocks. Or maybe you're just bad with money. Or, or maybe you're always fighting with your leaders or your coworkers or fighting with a spouse. Or maybe you just don't know how to make good decisions and things just keep falling apart. Or maybe there's just bad relationships and you're trying to figure that out. Or maybe there's addictions. If any of those resonate with you at all, great. You're welcome here. You're welcome to walk with us. Because we are all broken. We all have deep sin patterns. We all have character flaws. We have this desire that we battle to walk in the darkness. We sometimes want things to stay hidden. We deal with that. And so we are in need of a renewed life. We all are in need of a renewed life. And so when you get saved by Jesus Christ, He renews your whole life. There, there's some things that change over time, but, but there's a whole lot that changes in the moment when, you, when Jesus becomes your Savior. And when, when that happens, you also join a community of other renewed people. That's, that's the great thing. God provides a community for us to walk with. It's kind of like a hospital where people in need of healing can get treatment. People in need of healing can get some care. Or, or another analogy, it's kind of like a gym. You know, this community that God has given us. It's a gym where people can get focused training to burn away those bad things. We can get training and develop the strength of character to be mature and go through life with excellence. We can find people to run alongside. And so as you get honest, as you open up about what's really going on in your life, God can clean you up. He can heal you up. He can make you strong and mature like Jesus Christ is. It takes confessing sin and getting some help. And then it takes being a help to the other people that are on this journey with us. It takes working together in openness and honesty. It really takes people who make a conscious decision to step out of the darkness of isolation and to step into the light of God. So I want to ask you, as I wrap up this message, I want to look at a few next steps that you, you might consider taking in response to this message. One next step might be to admit today that you're, you're hiding from God. You're hiding something from God or you're hiding from others. Maybe even ask God how to show you. How, how am I doing this? What are the strategies I use and how can I avoid that? Or maybe another next step is I'm going to decide today for the very first time to commit my life to following Jesus Christ. I'm going to step out of the darkness. Or, or this week, a next step maybe I'm going to share openly with someone about my burdens or my battles or my backgrounds. And through this talk, you might be seeing something very clearly that needs to come into the light. If you want to talk to somebody or, or if you need somebody to pray for you, our staff is available after this service. You can always let us know on the back of your connection card for contact as well. Let's take a moment to pray. God, we acknowledge and we praise you that you are the light.
There is no speck of darkness in you. You are pure and good. Thank you so much for the incredible gift that, that your son Jesus died and bled on our behalf. That we may walk in the light and we may be cleansed from our sins. We may be cleansed from our past, from everything that creeps in the darkness. Because God, we don't want to be fake. We don't want to be plastic. We don't want to live in isolation when there's people all around us. We admit that voluntary choosing isolation is foolish. So thank you, Lord, for your word, which shows us a different way to live. Father, would you help us make a pattern of being open and honest? Would you help us make a pattern of confessing sin in order to stay in the light and volunteering information to have genuine relationships with others? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.